On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Joining the Jeff Beck Group was really your first big break. How did you meet Jeff? It's about, I would say I was about 19... 67, 66, um, Jeff had left the Yardbirds. He, well, actually, I think he got fired for non-appearance a few times with the Yardbirds. That's something people don't know. I'd been fired from the group I was in, and the group Woody was in, the birds, they'd fallen apart, it seems. And so, basically, we were all unemployed. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Okay, Sonny. So it's April. It's time for another album out of our 2023 album series. And after last month, whatever we go through today is going to be a letdown because, I mean, let's face it, last month's album was amazing. And this month it brings us to one of your picks. So that's questionable at best. But it's all about what? Rod Stewart's Body Wishes? Rod Stewart's 1983 release, Body Wishes. Suck it. This album celebrating 40 years, celebrating is a little bit of a stretch word, don't we think? I don't know. There's some great songs on here. <laughs> all right. So we're going to get into everything Rod Stewart's Body Wishes, but just like all the rest of the episodes, we got to have an officiating team that comes in and divides Sonny and my uh, opinions up. And this week, we've got a third-time visitor to the podcast, Alex Alt from Sly Dog Music Cast. What's going on, Alex Alt? How are you, buddy? I'm feeling footloose and fancy-free and ready to talk about Rod the God. There you go. <laughs> I, always, I always like Alex because he's got a great intro to come into the podcast. I mean, it's it's so much energy when I'm literally just like one short of a loop. <laughs> he's half your age. <laughs> You have the maturity of half his age, but he's half your age. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's earlier for him out there on the West Coast. That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just short of past my bedtime here on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Alex Alt, tell us about the Sly Dog Music Cast, because sometimes to these series we have new listeners, and maybe they're not familiar with the other episodes that you were on. Uh, Alex took place on an Aerosmith episode, and last year he took place in the album series for Def Leppard. So this year he's back with Rod Stewart. What's the Sly Dog Music Cast all about? So the Sly Dog Music Cast is something you've kind of already alluded to. I'm a younger guy talking about music that came out well before I was born. I do dream set lists for bands I like. I do album by album discussions. I even do interviews sometimes. I'm trying to work in talking about new music a little bit more, too. But so far, I talk about a lot of classic rock, a lot of hard rock. And sometimes I veer into weirder territories. I talk about Culture Club. I talk about Neil Young. 
I just talk about whatever music I love. That's basically the Slide Dog Music Cast. That's exactly why Alex is on this episode with Rod the God Stewart, because Alex has varying taste. I always get a kick, Alex, when you post your picture of your stack of CDs <laughs> and say, this is what I'm listening to. And it's everything from, you know, Eclipse or ACDC to like Culture Club. It's all over the place. And sometimes some of it makes me cringe. And sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a good record. I've got that one. <laughs> A lot of the times I go, what, what are you wasting this money for? Dude, save that money. That, <laughs> I have that record. You can just have mine. Look at this stuff. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey. I'm curious. Do you have an example? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to look up the last picture that you oh, put boy. up. <laughs> Any of, of the these. Neil Young? Okay, so, okay, wait, wait. So, the last one was Leonard Skinner's Second Helping. I don't own that. Ashley McBride, Girl Going Nowhere. I don't even know what the hell that is. Steve Walsh, Shemmer Dreamer. Is it Screamer Dreamer? Is it? I don't even know what that is. Schemer Dreamer. Screamer Dreamer. Okay. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds Push the Sky Away. I threw that out a car window once. Your Eurythmics <laughs> Revenge. Whatever. UFO Walk on Water. What is that? Rihanna, Good Girl Gone Bad, Reloaded. Yep. Brian Adams, Cuts Like a Knife. That's a good one. That's That's a pretty interesting list there, buddy. That was a fun day. <laughs> I'm like, this came out of the feed. I'm like, what the hell? What's he doing? Stop spending money on stupid shit. <laughs> so uh, this should be a fun discussion as we get into this. So let's talk about the history that we each have with this record. Alex, I'll start with you. What's your history with Rod Stewart in general? And then if you have a history with the Body Wishes album, what's your history with this particular album? So my history with Rod Stewart goes back to when I was watching VH1 Classic as a kid. I saw the music video for Hot Legs, and I immediately fell in love with that song. I was like, this is really good. In my opinion, Rod Stewart has one of the best voices in rock and roll, even though he doesn't always use it for the harder stuff. It's very raspy and expressive and emotive and big. So I like the way he sings quite a bit. But I heard Hot Legs, and I'm like, oh, this is like ACDC. Serenity now! Serenity now! <laughs> so the next time I was at FYE, I went to the UCD section and I picked out Rod Stewart's greatest hits and I got home and the first track is hot legs. And the second track is something like sailing or something like that. I, I was a little disappointed because I was expecting more guitar rock, but I was a little kid, so I didn't have a bunch of CDs. So I kind of kept listening to it and I started to enjoy some of the mellower stuff. I was like, okay, this is fine. He's still singing the way I like him to sing. So he's always been someone I've kind of been like a fan of and like always want to have a, a hits compilation of some kind, just because I like his voice. His albums can be spotty, at best sometimes, but I do enjoy what, what he puts out. And generally, if he puts out new music, I tend to at least give it a chance, even if the album is kind of meh at best. But I'm a big fan of his voice, and I like what he did with the faces. And eventually, I did go a little deeper. I have this box set that covers uh, 75 to 2001, all his records. And that's where I first heard uh, Body Wishes a couple years ago. It's an interesting album, as we're going to talk about. It's kind of from that period where, I hate to say it, Rod will do a thing sometimes where he just puts out product. And Body Wishes is a little bit of one of those albums. Like sometimes he puts out something really good, like Tonight I'm Yours or Night on the Town or Camouflage. And then sometimes he just pushes something out there with a single. And that's kind of what Body Wishes is. All right, Sonny, how about you? What's your history with Rod Stewart and Body Wishes in general? So I'm coming into Rod Stewart at Camouflage 84. First couple of things I saw was some guys have all the luck in that infatuation video that I love so much. Nice. 
I'm buying rock albums at this point. So, you know, I had, I had heard Rod Stewart a little bit, but I hadn't really bought any albums. And then 1988, I'm working at Target and he released Out of Order. And man, did I love my heart can't tell you no. That song was my real gateway to Rod Stewart, to where I wanted to consume as much as I could. But I'm 18, 19 years old. I got no money. And then in 1990, he comes out with this box set. If you remember, it was white. It was almost like the Led Zeppelin box set, Led Zeppelin box that came out the same year. Four discs, 65 tracks. And I remember looking at the first couple of discs and I'm like, eh. But check out what is on the fourth disc on that album. Young Turks, Baby Jane, what am I going to do? People get ready. Some guys have all the luck. Infatuation, love touch, every beat of my heart. Lost in you, my heart can't tell you no. Dynamite, crazy powder, forever young. I don't want to talk about it. This old hard mind, downtown train. That is a greatest hits of Rod Stewart songs. So that fourth CD, I wore the fuck out of that CD. I got into his older stuff after a while, but I have always loved Rod. So Body Wishes, I own every Rod record there is. I have that compilation that... Alex is talking about. That's how I got all the CDs. The only thing bad thing about that compilation is it's basically just a CD jacket with the CD thrown in and you get the front and the back, but you don't get the stuff, the inserts in the middle. And I have a bunch of the albums that have the inserts in the middle too. So big Rod fan. I'm agreeing with Alex. One of the best rock voices out there. The rasp, he always pushes it to like a scream to where it's almost off. And then he brings it back. He's had that since the day of the faces. So as I was going back, it felt like the older the songs got, the more rock they were almost. Because all I was listening to was like pop, Rod Stewart. But you get all the way back to the faces and it's real rock. So big Rod Stewart fan. There's not a single Desert Island album I'm with Alex. It's hit and miss all over the place. You know, for every six or seven Rod Stewart songs I like, I can come up with three I don't like. So that's my Rod Stewart. Yeah, so for me, Rod Stewart came to me in the earlier 80s with stuff like, you know, Do You Think I'm Sexy, Young Turks. That was my introduction to Rod Stewart. And I always felt like he had one of the best rock and roll voices out there. In a lot of ways, I appreciated his voice to a lot of his contemporaries, guys like Jagger and Elton John and a lot of those folks, because it was exactly what Sonny said. I like a little bit of that rasp with my rock and roll and he has such a warm tone to his voice and he can sing the softer songs, but he can also sing the rock and roll tunes and so stuff like that. And then I got indoctored with hot legs and Maggie may and things like that. Some bands I was working with in the clubs in the mid eighties played covers of hot legs and stuff like that. And I just, I started going and rediscovering uh, like the faces and some of that stuff. And he's got so much that I like and he's got a lot that I don't like or don't care for. So I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys. It's hit or miss for me. As far as the Body Wishes record goes, I knew maybe one song off this record. I had no clue about this record at all until we did this album series. In fact, I'm probably more familiar with the record that came after it, Camouflage, than I am this record. But that's one of the things I love about these album series is it forces me to go through the record, much like the Rick Springfield record from start to finish. And I discover some stuff that I like. There's some stuff on this Body Wishes record as we go through it that I really like. And I wasn't aware of it before this album series. So that's my history with Rod Stewart. 
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. We heard that the first time you guys played at the Fillmore with Jeff Beck, you sang the first song from backstage. What well, when I hit Beyond Ramps? It was our first, um, with the Jeff Beck group, it was our first American appearance. And we were first on the bill, Grateful Dead were topping the bill. And we were really scared, we were really scared. And I suffered from stage fright, so my voice just caved out. So I ran behind the amps and sang from there. You know, and when I heard the applause of the audience, and I was okay, then I ran back out front and started singing. It's really good. So let's get into some basic facts about this album. Released June 10th, 1983. We all know release dates are subject to change, but that's what it lists as of today. It was recorded in 1982. The length of the record is 41 minutes and 19 seconds. The label is Warner Brothers and the producer is Tom Dowd along with Rod Stewart. The record peaked at number 30 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Body Wishes is the 12th studio album by Rod. The tracks were recorded and mixed at the record plant in Los Angeles. It produced three singles, Baby Jane, What Am I Gonna Do? I'm So In Love With You, and Sweet Surrender. The cover is a tribute to the cover of the Elvis Presley album, 50 Million Elvis Fans Can't Be Wrong. Sonny, what are your thoughts about this album cover? So the album cover is interesting, right? Because he's got this red, I got to say, I guess it's leather. It kind of looks like pleather, but whatever. This red suit on with just a plain black tee with a black background. Then on the back, it's a black leather suit with a red tee with a red background. So he's not exactly smiling. He's not sexy. He almost looks not annoyed, almost bored, right? The facial expression on the back is a little bit different than the front. My problem isn't the album cover. I got some issues with the internal sleeve that we'll talk about in a minute. But my bigger problem with the album cover isn't the actual album cover. It's why is the order of the songs not correct? Alex, by the time he releases that box set, they fix it. But on the original albums, what am I going to do is at the top of the list. That's why I sent you that picture. So it's almost as if when they cut the album cover, they probably were going to open the album with that song and it was going to be the first single. But then all the songs below it are in the right order. So it's like they took the single, put it on the top, and then the rest of it's in order. And I don't understand, like, why would you do that? And you did it on the back and the front. Huh. That's crazy. Alex, what do you think about the cover? The cover is, I've always found it, I don't know, disappointing. I feel like Body Wishes should be something a little more... Like, it sounds sexy. I feel like there should be a girl on this cover. And like you said, it's just Rod looking bored. I get the Elvis tribute. I can see that. Mm -hmm. But my my dad has this album on vinyl. And I remember looking at his kid and always just thinking, like, "Eh, just looks kind of boring. Yeah. (laughs) Like, even though I was a Rod Stewart fan, I was just like, this could use better artwork. And like you said, there's there's a picture in on the inner sleeve that's kind of uh, strange. Yeah. So the two pictures on the inner sleeve, and I sent these guys pictures. One is of the band, six members of the band. They're pretty much all in red and black of some sort. Um, with a little bit of white, they, you know, they look like th- this could be the news. This could be Rick Springfield's band. This this could be right. the cars for all we know. Like they just look normal. The knack. Yeah. The knack. There you go. Yeah. Very new wave. But this picture of him hammered in a kilt. Dude, this, <laughs> this is a disturbing picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on here, man? Like, it's just like, you could tell he's just sauce. I feel like they just woke him up. Well, 
Maybe it's a tribute to Scottish heritage. Your wife, Alana, has been quoted as being very angry about your, and I quote, swinging lifestyle. What is that swinging lifestyle? I enjoy a certain amount of freedom. Uh, and I would, if I ever got married again, would demand that in, in marriage. And that doesn't mean to say, you know, I want to go and screw everybody that exists. I want to be able to do exactly what I want to do. I don't know, but that, that is one, that's not a good picture. He doesn't look happy. No, he looks hammered. <laughs> Alex is right. He just woke up. It, yeah. It, it looks like he just woke up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. But I, I'm with Alex. Like with body wishes, you need a woman. Reality is Rod Stewart probably should have had a woman on every single album cover period. Right. The guy's a sexy beast. He's almost 40 at this point. <laughs> right. So it's like the guy is who he is. Just put a woman in with him on the cover and be done with it. They only did that once that I can think of. W- which one was that one? Um, Blondes have more fun. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you only see the back of her. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting cover. I have a weird fun fact about the album, actually. It was released the same day as Pantera's Metal Magic. Oh, there you go. And the same day as Stevie Nicks' The Wild Heart, which features Stand Back, which Rod Stewart would later cover. Oh, all right. That's interesting. Any <laughs> other interesting facts? That's all I had. Okay. <laughs> Just some stuff I found while I was prepping for the episode. I'll give you one interesting fact before we go into the tracks, because they might explain some things. So in the album notes, the liner notes, Rod, he says, special thanks and admiration to Tom Dowd who came in on a project at the last minute and saved it from going down the toilet. <laughs> so I don't know what was going on during the recording of Body Wishes, but obviously it was not going well. Yeah. So that might explain some of the things we heard on this album. So Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word. G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right. Well, let's get in the tracks. First track, Dancing Alone. Alex, to me, I mean, Rod isn't loud enough in the mix to me, but this song is a very danceable tune. I like the kind of the bebop feel to it. What do you think? I like this one a lot. It's the probably the most straight up rock song on the album. And it has an almost like it's like Southern rock meets country meets new wave vibe. It's like John Mellencamp backed up by the cars is how is how I kind of imagine it. I mean, like you said, Rod's voice is a little low in the mix, but it's always the star of the show. He's very expressive with his delivery. And fun fact, uh, you guys were ribbing me about listening to the Eurythmics earlier. The harmonica player, Jimmy Zavla, also played the intro to Missionary Man by the Eurythmics. Oh. All righty then. Dude, the trivia. That's nutty trivia. I came prepared. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Uh, Steven, Chuck Berry, very Chuck Berry, right? He he likes that kind of like groove type of rock, almost rockabilly. I don't even know exactly how to describe it. Well, Dancing Alone is a great lead off track. It's one of the types of Rod Stewart tunes that uh, made me fall in love with Rod Stewart because so it's very stones, very faces has a little bit of a nice slide in there, kind of in the vein of Hot Legs, written by Rod Stewart and the guitar player in his band, Robin Lee Mashore. Must be a Frenchman. 
I yeah, I mean, this is one of the tunes that I was not familiar with that I ended up liking because I just think it's a great lead-off track. This is a uh, classic Rod Stewart. It's good stuff. Then we get to the hit. I think it was the second single, Baby Jane. Rod had embraced synth in the 80s. When you hear this song, I've always liked this song, but I love Hall of Notes. And Hall of Notes were having hit after hit after hit with these types of songs that had just catchiness to them. And Alex, that that whole pre-chorus, I guess you would call that whole, uh, I've said goodbye so many times, the situation ain't all that new. Optimism's my best defense. I'll get through without you. Like, simple, but catchy, and he sings it well. God, I love this song so much. This is an absolute banger. I love this one. Uh, it's a nice little slice of the 80s new wave sound we were talking about. And you made a good comparison, Hall of Notes. It's a, absolutely that. It's absolutely Hall of Notes, and it's got a nice, funky, danceable vibe to it. I like this one a lot. The saxophone riff kind of reminds me of Dr. Doctor by UFO. I hear that in the melody of it.
Uh, Steven, so this song topped out at number 14. Dude, wait till you hear what was the Billboard Hot 100 from 1 to 13 that this song was competing against. Okay, so here we go. So number 14 was Baby Jane, Rod Stewart, it topped out. 13, Come Dancing by the Kinks. 12, 1999 by Prince. 11, Maniac by Michael Sambello. 10, Our House by Madness. 9, Stand Back by Stevie Nicks. Eight, She Works Hard for the Money by Donna Summer. Seven, Want to Be Starting Something by Michael Jackson. Six, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by The Eurythmics. Five, Is There Something I Should Know by Duran Duran. Four, Never Gonna Let You Go by Sergio Mendez. Three, Flashdance What a Feeling by Irene Cara. Two, Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. And number one, Every Breath You Take by The Police. He won't get in past number 14. <laughs> it's pretty much, obviously, at this point in time, MTV was ruling the charts, right? Because <laughs> yeah. this is all, yeah. this is like the playlist for MTV, every one of those tunes. Yeah. I mean, Baby Jane for me, written by Rod Stewart, Jay Davis, the bass player in his band. Alex kind of nailed it. This song is very indicative of the 80s sound. Uh, it's the first single. It's very Rod Stewart, sax solo in it. You got to love that, just like you said. Uh, it's an interesting song for me because, and I like the song, but the course in the song isn't actually the title of the song. So that's a little bit different, you know, because most of the time with hit singles and hit tunes, it has that course that's the title of the song that repeats over and over again. And that's not really, that's not how this song is constructed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the third track move me kind of feels a little bit like a movie soundtrack type song, but here's where I was talking about. Like when he says love in that first verse and he says respect in that second verse, his voice breaks just a little and somehow the raspy like makes it almost endearing. Like there's not very many people that could get away with that. And I don't know if that's, he's being mixed a little bit behind the music so you can't really hear it breaking, so it works out okay, but there's just something about it I love. So I love it. It's like there's a almost a pain in his voice that's about to make him cry, and he holds it back. Like, Alex, I don't exactly know how to describe it. Yeah, you nailed it. I've always thought that, too. I don't, I don't know if it's like studio trickery or if he's just kind of playing with dynamics of his own voice, but this is an interesting song. It's very much in the same vein as the previous two musically. Lyrically, Rod's a little sexually frustrated here, and I, I think it's kind of funny. Like, some of the lyrics on this album are quite ridiculous, and they definitely are here. Lately, you don't light my fuse. Is my fan belt coming loose? Punch me in the Bible, baby, please. Like, that's just some of the lyrics you get in this song. Yeah, th this is a silly one. <laughs> Yeah. 
And uh, Stephen, it was, I thought it was a good idea to change the last chorus a bit to keep it from being boring. He's still saying, move me, move me, but there's like a soothe me and a rock me and a love me and a rock. But like he tried to change some of it. Otherwise, it was going to be the same thing over and over and over and over. You get a little bit of that anyway, but he tries to do a little bit of vocal gymnastics at the end. So it's okay. Yeah. So this song moved me. A lot of people had their hands in the writing of this song. Rod Stewart, Tony Brock, the drummer, Jay Davis, bass player, Wally Stocker, the guitar player that along with Tony Brock were in the babies. And then Kevin Savagar, who's the synth player in Rod's band. So my guess is with this song, this was a baby song that Tony Brock and Wally Stocker brought to Rod. And then Rod put his two cents in, didn't quite like it, got Jay Davis involved, got Kevin Savagar involved, and they made it whatever it is move me. That's what I think happened with this song. I know everybody's going to think I'm nuts on this, but listen, and maybe you'll hear what I'm talking about. But for some reason, the beginning chord progression on this song reminds me of Billie Jean, Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. Just go listen to it. Maybe you'll hear it. Maybe you won't. Maybe I'm completely crazy. It's just the beginning chord progression that for some reason reminds me of that. The course and the verses for me are a little weak. So, eh, it's all right. And then I had sent you guys a note that the verse melodies got a little rock soldiers to it. Did you guys pick up on that at all? I didn't catch that. I, I tried if you does. I, I don't hear it. Huh. Yeah, same. And I don't, normally when, I don't always hear it when songs like that do that. Usually what happens to me is when I'm trying to hum it later, somehow I end up mashing it with some song and that's what usually goes, oh, well, that because that sounded like Rock Soldiers. Why am I mashing this thing up without Rock Soldiers? So I was humming it one day, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Right? So that's why I thought, but that's okay. All right. Get to the fourth track is the title track, Body Wishes. And Alex, I like the little guitar solo you get. I like the little guitar fillings and the noodling he's doing. You're probably a little young for this. I don't know if you've ever seen Miami Vice, but it feels like a Miami Vice song. Interesting. I know what Miami Vice is, but I've never watched it. The song to me, we bring the vibe down a little bit. It's a little cooler, a little more chill than the first three. I really like this one. This is my second favorite track on the album. It's a little Yacht Rocky. It even features a nice little flute in it, which makes it even more like, you know, Yacht Rocky. And there's some congas going on. And Rod just nailing those vocals. Like he, he's really laying on the smooth, expressive, like ballad voice on this one. And I, I love this one. It's very smoky, very R&B. Great track.
I got a great telegram from him about six months ago. It said, Rod, I have to inform you, and would you tell the rest of the faces that I'm joining the Rolling Stones only <laughs> six months ago? Why did you try and do that, Keith? The faces and your career going. I mean, I wrote to him, long player, and every picture tells a story. Really, we're on the charts simultaneously. Yeah. Well, I was already into, I'd already signed a contract to do, uh, you know, like solo albums before I joined the faces. There were things that I wanted to put on my albums that I didn't think the faces could play. It wasn't, it wasn't a very acoustical band, which is a lot of things in the early days is all I had was acoustic guitars and drums. So, Stephen, I know you are not a lyrics person, but this Yacht Rock tune, let me let me share some lyrics, okay? Please. At first, he says, if the fire down below is getting worse and worse, you're so close to shooting that you want to burst. <laughs> Somebody's sponge needs squeezing, body wishes, okay? So, that sounds like a little bit about he's got blue balls and he's about to go off. Later, he says, you can hear the ticking of a lonely clock. The howling wind that just won't stop. Somebody's cherries need picking. Body wishes. Now that sounds like he's about to do a virgin. Yes! 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 This is supposed to be Yacht Rock. I don't think there's people in Yacht Rock singing about this shit. Fire down below could be a uh, venereal disease. That's possible too. Yeah. Oh. So, okay, you're going to love this, Alex, since <laughs> you like this tune so much. I have some great notes for you on this one. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, Body Wishes, written by Rod Stewart, Jim Cregan, Kevin Savigar, and Robin Levinasseur. This song is straight up boring. The bridge change is the only light in the otherwise dull lit tune. <laughs> That's my notes <laughs> for this song. I don't like this one at all. This song is just... This song was super boring. I mean, it set for, like I said, that that one change helped it a little bit, but no, not after the first three. This song was definitely a skipper for me. All right, so we get to the middle of the record, Sweet Surrender, which was also a single that did not chart in the U.S., but got to number 23 in the U.K. And Alex, to me, this is his version, I guess, of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. I can see that. This is definitely uh, not a high point, but not the lowest of the lows either. It's a pretty little ballad. You got some programmed drums and steel guitar, which is interesting. This one just didn't really stick out to me. It's interesting to hear this in the middle of the album because it's really a shift like onto almost like this country song. And there's, again, some more silly lyrics. You ruffle my ego, but not my bed. So, yeah, this, <laughs> this is more proof that just like we need a song to fill, to fill this record. What do we got? Trying to raise 
Steven, I thought the song was okay, but I'm listening and I'm like, oh my God, Steven's going to absolutely hate the song. And then when he ended the surrender, I'm like, oh my God, Steven's going nuts right now. (laughs) So after body wishes and I get to sweet surrender, now I'm starting to look around the room and see if there's anything else for me to do while this music's playing. Because this shit written by Stuart and Lima, sir, again. Nothing special about this tune. Another boring tune for me. I do like the nice acoustic guitar solo, which was nice. But other than that, I mean, it's a super like low point in the record because you went from one song that I didn't like that much to another song now that I think is boring. So now I'm like, God dang, what did I get myself into? (laughs) So then we get to the sixth song on the track. What am I going to do? I'm so in love with you. Single got to number 35 in the Hot 100, got to number three in the UK. And Alex, I know you probably listened to a bunch of 80s tunes, but we lived the 80s. This is one of the catchiest choruses of the 80s, Alex. I don't know if I agree with that statement, but I do agree that I love this song. Uh, this is another one of ones where they amp up the synth pop again. It's, it's kind of like a synth poppy version of Bruce Springsteen's Bobby Jean. Just a fun pop rocker. Yeah, it's it's in my top three on the album. I love the keys on this one. And it's just so incredibly 80s in its production. And I love that about it. Like, it's just an unabashedly 80s song. It could come from no other decade.
so when Ron left, did that really take the heart out of there? Yeah, it did. It did. And uh, I know why Ronnie left. He left because I was making solo albums and they were becoming successful. And he thought that was going to tear the band apart at one point. And of course it did. And Stephen, I don't know if it's Dow doing this, and I don't know if it's Rod's idea, but at the end, humming the melody, if the earworm didn't get you, humming the melody at the end on the way out, you'd be humming this the rest of the day. It, I, it's just a great melody to me. All right. So I put the noose away when this song came on. Luckily, I didn't have to pull the trigger. So that, that was all good. Written by Stuart Davis and Brock. I like this one a lot. This has a vacation feel to me. The music in this song feels like vacation to me. Uh, I really, I just, I dig this tune. And this was one that I wasn't familiar with either. Although I got to say, to be honest, most of this record, I'm not familiar with at all other than Baby Jane. So uh, for me to keep saying that, none of this record was familiar for me, but I do dig this tune. So spilling the beans here a little bit. So we've gone through six songs and I actually like the six songs we've gone through. And this album takes a ugly turn at the seventh song called Ghetto Blaster. Really? That's where it took the ugly turn? That's where it took the ugly oh turn goodness. for me. I actually like the first six songs, but. Oh my God, dude. Ghetto Blaster. Like, I just, I don't need Rod talking about serious issues. I just stick <laughs> to like fucking sucking virgins, whatever. But this, this rhythm of the music and the little danceable and you got the, you know, the whole Calypso field thing going with a serious top. It just, Alex just didn't work for me. Oh man. Take us to your leader. This song is awful. <laughs> this is absolutely a lo- like one of the lowest points on the album, but it's fascinatingly bad. Why is it called ghetto blaster? The song has nothing to do with a ghetto blaster. You hear Calypso music. This kind of reminds me a bit of like the message by grandmaster flash a little bit. I hear that in the synth work a little bit. It's a really funky song, but like you said, why is like Rod Stewart should not be writing about the world's problems on a song. It, it should like, let's go back to the sponge that needs squeezing, please. My God, like, I don't like it, but I laugh at how bad it is, especially the take us to your leader kid chorus thing going on. This is a weird one. Yeah. And again, why the fuck is it called Ghetto Blaster? <laughs>
And Steven, Rod is one of my favorite singers of all time, and I own everything. Every album has one of these, and sometimes two or three of them. I don't know why. All right. First of all, y'all are both racist as hell. Hating on a song called Ghetto Blaster. That's <laughs> First of all, you can't even use that term anymore because of the woke society. <laughs> so <laughs> we're probably getting in trouble just because it's on this record. But anyway, uh, <laughs> written by Stuart Cregan and Sevigar. Okay. I like the groove and the feel of this song. Again, the course is not the title of the tune, so they don't. Thank God. The name of the song is Ghetto Blaster, but that's not even in the course of the song. I do think that the guitar playing is really good on this song. Uh, there was some good guitar playing that uh, went along with this tune. I don't hate it as much as you two. And, and to be honest, after Body Wishes and Sweet Surrender, anything is better. Even though it's called Ghetto Blaster, maybe if they change the title to whatever the course is, it would be better and you guys wouldn't hate on it as much. But I don't know. It's all right. So then we get to the A song, Ready Now, and Alex, this is what I'm talking about. You get to the jilted rod relationship gone bad, and man, does that rasp work well. Now, to me, the song isn't great, but the way he delivers it, there's just, he can sing pain and disappointment. I don't know how to explain it any other way. I think that's the perfect way to say it. The song is biting when you listen to the lyrics and you listen to the way he sings it. It's biting. He's mad at someone here. I don't know if it's a relationship or to me, it sounds like someone like he was doing business with that screwed him over. It's definitely, it's got some teeth lyrically, but it's not a great song. It doesn't grab me that much. I'm kind of indifferent to it. Like it really didn't pop out to me until I sat down with the lyrics when I was doing notes for this. And I was like, Oh, there's some stuff going on here. Not one of the better songs on the album, but the sax is back. So there's that. And Steven, on some of these songs, like I said, there's there's one or two on every Rod Stewart album. I think what they're doing here is Rod can sing the phone book, so they just literally have him sing the phone book. Like It's like, okay, yes, he can sing the phone book, but he still has to have like good songs. Right. I will say that the worst Rod Stewart song I've ever heard is not on this album. Oh, okay. That would go much later in his career. <laughs> so I like this tune. I wish the keys weren't so out front, but... 
it is the 80s. So to me, the course is a bit weak. For me, on this record as a whole, I think Rod would have really benefited a lot more had there been some really good pre-courses and courses on this record. Because I think overall throughout this record, and we're on track eight of 10 now, this record has sort of weak courses and and pre-courses, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Ninth song, Strangers Again. Okay, Alex, this this chorus is pretty bad. But, you know, even though the song's a little mad to me, I was thinking, I'm like, if you played it lightly in the background at a dinner party, it'd do just fine. It's fine. It's just not great. That's a good way to put it. It is a song I enjoy, but it's not one of his better songs. Uh, Maybe it's just coming off the last two. It seems better. It is another little slice of Yacht Rock. I I like that. I dig his singing here. And then there's that Yachty flute again. And even a little bit of harp at the end of the song, which makes it like this extra dreamy little thing. It's a fine album track, but not one of the stronger ones. Dude, quit comparing it to Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock is good. Oh, (laughs) Lord. Rod Stewart is great. So, yeah. Stephen, what this kind of reminded me of is it had more of a late 70s vibe, right? So he gets out of the faces. He's doing all this rock. By the time he got into the late 70s, he was doing part I'm sexy and slithery and women love me. And then he was doing this part like bagpipe, weird synth, I don't know, sleepy music kind of thing. And this kind of feels like a little bit leftover from the 70s. I always wanted to be famous, but I didn't necessarily want to be rich, you know. When I, when I left school, I thought, I must be famous. And this probably came out of something that I wanted to show the other guys that I was good enough.
My notes are really simple with this one. Meh with the pan flute included. Because <laughs> he's got, that's, that's not just a regular flute. That's a pan flute. He got Zamfir to play on his record. <laughs> and it's not good. And then the last uh, song, Satisfied. I got to be honest, Alex. I, Bernie Toppin co-wrote this. Mm-hmm. If I was Bernie, I, I would have taken my name off this song. <laughs> yeah, I, I was disappointed when I saw Bernie Toppin had a co-writing credit because, like, I, I saw it was coming up at the end of the album. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe this that'll be that'll be a good one because Bernie Toppin's a really good lyricist, and this song is trash. This song is trash. There is no other word for it. Like when you read the lyrics, he's basically saying, like, listen, ladies, look, look. I know your man might not notice your new haircut, or he might be a little distant at times, but you got to love him no matter what. Just love him. Like, it's like, what is this BS? Like, what happened to like hot legs or, or like, do you think I'm sexy? Like, like, this is just wimpy. This is awful. This is the lamest note you could end the album on possible. Yeah. Terrible, terrible song. <laughs> And Stephen, I think we read that note that Rod put in the liner notes. Maybe this is what he was talking about. Like he's got some songs, some are good, some are not so good. I need somebody to help me put this thing out because I'm 
60% through it. And I'm not going to turn back now because I'm going to go on tour and it's kind of is what it is. So I'm a little surprised with your take on it, Sonny. I thought it was a nice ballad. I thought the pre-course was pretty good. I thought it reminds me of those classic rod ballads. Yeah, there's something missing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wondering why do I think it's a halfway decent ballad when I don't even like ballads. But to me, I thought the pre-course was decent and, you know, reminded me of a typical rod ballad. I mean, it's no... You know, I mean, he's certainly had better ballads, but I, as, as this record goes, I don't think it's that horrible. Yeah. That, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Not, not for me. The closer of the album prior was much better, was a much better note to end on. This album goes out on a whimper. All right. So that's the 10 songs. I'm sure we'll get some feedback. Why are you guys, why you guys talk about an album you didn't like? I actually like six out of the 10 songs. I would say six and a half out of the 10. And the two major singles are awesome songs. Like, it's very, very top-heavy. So we always get a top two, bottom two at this point. I will share mine first. My top two are easy. Baby Jane and What Am I Going to Do? I'm So In Love With You. I think those two songs are absolutely killer. And any kind of greatest hits that Rod was to put out, those two songs should be on it. My bottom two are easy. Ghetto Blaster makes absolutely no sense to me. And Satisfied was not a great way to end the album. Alex, how about your top two, bottom two? My top two, I'm going to go with Dancing Alone and Body Wishes for my top two. I love those two songs. They're great. And they were great little surprises to discover in prepping for this episode. So I really dig dig those. I dig most of the album, but the down moments are really bad. And the, my bottom two are going to be Ghetto Blaster and Sweet Surrender. Um, those two songs were awful. <laughs> Steven, should I even ask? Now you hate Rod Stewart? Well, what's up? This was super, super easy for me. I mean, I, I whipped these two. My two favorites and my two bottoms came off like no problem. Two favorite songs on the record are Dancing Alone and Baby Jane. Boom. One and two. Simple. Two uh, worst songs on this record are Body Wishes and Sweet Surrender. No, thank you. <laughs> wow. wow. Super boring. Wow. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at growinguprock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, 
back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, so final thoughts on Rod before we get to the historic moment. Here's kind of my thoughts. He's had hits in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I mean, he's still going. He has changed. He's more of a Tom Jones type guy now. But how many artists can say that they had hits in every decade the last 50 to 60 years? Like, there's not very many artists that can say that. Okay, this album's not exactly the best representation back to front, but the album does have some great songs. And Rod can sing like a motherfucker. Like I, I'm, I've always been a huge fan and I will continue to be Alex, kind of your final thoughts. Uh, I echo a lot of your sentiments. Rod is an icon. He's a rock and roll icon for a reason. And he's still doing, he's, he's still out there singing. He's still out there making records. He may not always have the most consistent studio releases, but he always, he always managed to find one or two, like just nuggets of brilliance and get them out there into the world. And it adds to that ever growing collection of great Rod Stewart songs. And he, he grew, he changed over the years. Like he was with the faces and then he went solo and he has been with Jeff Beck. So he has a really interesting career trajectory. If you follow, like I think on any Rod Stewart album, you could probably find at least one good song to enjoy. Maybe more. I'm always going to be a fan. I'm always going to love to hear his voice. Always going to crank up my favorites when I hear them like hot legs or uh, tonight I'm yours, stuff like that. Yeah, Rod's one of the best voices in rock and roll, and I think he'll definitely be remembered for that. Steven, your final thoughts? Yeah, there's so many different eras of Rod Stewart. I think that the best way for a new listener to go would obviously be Anthology or Greatest Hits Record, something like that, because there's just so much material out there. And if you're into the rock and roll, Rod, there's tons of it. I mean, look. I saw him at the end of last year live, and he was amazing. It's the second time I've ever seen him. His band was killer. He sounded great. He looked great. And it was hit after hit after hit after hit for two hours. And great shit. You forget about it. I mean, he's got so much stuff that you're like, holy shit, I forgot about this tune. I mean, I went after that show, I went home and just, I set up a playlist with all these tunes that I hadn't heard in so long and was like, he has so many different moods and so many different just eras and feels to his music. And if you can't find a good playlist worth of Rod Stewart material, then you're not looking hard enough because it's there. I mean, he's an amazing artist uh, with, with a incredible body of work that'll last long after he's gone. I'm sure. All right, so we're going to connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So as we've done every one of the episodes so far, we're connecting to 1983's Lick It Up. So for the historic moment, we're going to go with a band from Detroit called Artificial Agent. So you got Derek Zenza on vocals, Mike Elgert on guitar, Brad Zenza on bass. I'm assuming they're brothers. Carl Crafton on drums. And they're obviously Kiss fans because they do the whole face paint thing. They got a glam type feel. They write short, catchy songs. So off of 2014's Brain Grenade, their second studio album, here is Artificial Agent with their version of the Kiss classic, not for the innocent. 
So I don't know if it's a Kiss classic, but I've always liked this song. Uh, it's just a great tune. And this band, they're not straying too far from the original, in my opinion, are they? No, Alex, uh, you know, it's they did okay. If it was a Paul tune, I think they would have struggled, but not being a Paul tune, it's okay. Yeah, this was fine. I thought the mu- musical side of it was really good. Uh, vocally, I wish it had had a little more bite. Like, I love the Kiss original because Gene just sounds angry and mean and vicious. He's, a, he's very much in that demon character. And I thought this, the vocalist could have used a little, just a little more snarl, a little more teeth in his delivery. But musically, it was a good cover. Yeah, I agree with, uh, 100% with exactly what you're saying. He was missing a little bit of that gravel that Gene has, a little bit of that snarl that Gene has. So you're dead on, Alex. Kiss is so weird with that, right? Because if you're trying to do a Paul song, it's sometimes hard to be where he's at with the power he's at in the register's voice. If you're trying to do, do Gene and you don't come off as the demon when he's really being the demon, it doesn't sound right. Ace has got this kind of weird voice that's hard to copy to begin with. And if you don't got like this Bob Seger type soul to your voice, a Rod Stewart type soul to your voice, then you can't do Peter. So you're kind of fucked if you're trying to do a kid song. Unless you're going to completely change it and not try to do it their way. Yep, I agree. Yep. I'm surprised there's not a version of uh, Rod Stewart doing Hard Luck Woman or something out there. That would be incredible. And I think, I swear Paul has said he wrote that song modeling it after Rod Stewart. Oh, completely. I can completely hear Rod doing a version of that. Yeah, a lot of what you hear Rod do cover-wise, it almost always is a nod to the 50s and 60s a lot of it to motown a lot of it to the 50s kind of uh you know that poppy music they were doing he ain't doing a song written by paul i'm sorry rod's not gonna do that. no freaking way i guarantee you rod's like yeah kiss is beneath me <laughs> <laughs> i guarantee you that you're 100 dead on for that yeah so rod even did like a like a covers album that was uh, specifically supposed to be a great rock classics. I believe it's called. Yep. Here's the track list. And it's, it's not a lot of like, it doesn't go past the mid seventies. Really. When I look at it, there's like fooled around and fell in love. There's Bob Dylan songs and there's a Bob Seger tune, but yeah, he doesn't really like push past that like era. Yeah. God fooled around and fell in love. I got to hear that version. Cause isn't it Mickey Thomas singing that song, right? When he hits yep. that, love at the end oh my god i can imagine rod hitting that and just like at the top of his register cracking a little bit oh my god that probably sounds really good it's not mickey thomas is it yeah it is yep that's mickey thomas that's mickey thomas elvin bishop was the artist but mickey thomas was the singer yeah mickey thomas the starship guy yeah yep really yeah yep that's him singing that fooled around and fell in love yeah Mm -hmm. i don't think i knew that even when starship play live now they do fooled around and fell in love Oh, that's a great song. That's why people love doing that song as a cover. I've heard winery dogs do it. Dude, they kill that song. Richie can sing the fuck out of that song. Tesla does it as well, I think. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that puts a capper on this month's album, Rod Stewart's Body Wishes. I got to tell you, Pooney, I like Rod Stewart, but out of all the albums that were released in 83, this one was a bit of a surprise for me. You just picked it because you're a Rod Stewart fan? Yeah, and we don't talk about Rod a lot. And, uh, you know, we wanted to stay away from, like, the super big albums. And then, I, you know, I didn't want to get stuck with fucking Sabotage and some of this other shit that was on the I don't even know what was on. <laughs> I'm sure Saxon was on the list or some shit. I didn't want to end up with that shit either. Yeah, I think we got Power and the Glory in uh, 83. Uh, why not? That's a good album. 
<laughs> Good album. Exactly, Alex. My man, Alex knows. Come Bangers. on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this town knows how to rock. Absolutely. There you go. All right, Alex Alt, Slide Dog Music Cast. And you release not every week. You release what? How many times a month? Once a month? Usually once a month, unless it's a two-parter. So this is coming out in April, right? Yep. Okay, so by now there should be both parts of the Billy Joel episode out. And we might be uh, in the middle of Prince Month. So there should be multiple episodes in April too. But yeah, usually once a month because I try to do one big episode and get it out there. There you go. He's Alex Alt from Slide Dog Music Cast. Thanks for listening. Sonny, you got anything to add before we get up on out of here? Try some Rod Stewart today. I guarantee if you haven't heard Rod Stewart in a while, just like Steven said, there are hits upon hits upon hits upon hits. Just say, Alexa, play me some Rod Stewart. I bet you you get some great songs. Everybody's uh, unit just went off if they were listening to this podcast. <laughs> dude. That's my uh, partner's fault. <laughs> All right. Until next month. See ya. Peace. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. I don't really want to grow up, you know. I think there's a there's a there's an element in every man that should exist, you know, and always keep that little element of the boyishness. You know, I think it's very important. I think we should be adults and handle the world like adults, but let's keep that childlike quality in all of us. Let's be able to cry, let's be able to laugh and do whatever we want to do. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like.
and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.